Hello, I hope you're doing absolutely fantastic and thank you for listening to the Women on Blockchain podcast by Cointelligence Academy, where we provide a unique and impartial blockchain and crypto education to everyone. I'm your host, Laura Samamidu, and for today's show, I've got some time with Dr. Maria Vigliotti, who is a leading expert in computing with a vast experience in security, cryptography, and blockchain. Maria holds a PhD in computing from Imperial College London, and she is currently a CEO of Sandblocks Consulting, a company providing blockchain executive training on coding the Ethereum blockchain. During our conversation today, we talked about how blockchain is not a solution for everything, and we discussed Maria's brand new book called The Executive Guide to Blockchain which appears to be a must-have guide for anyone and it can be applied to any industry and equip you with the knowledge needed to capture all the possibilities of digital businesses. So before we move on to our interview with Maria, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors PumaPay for allowing us to deliver this podcast. PumaPay is the first comprehensive crypto payment solution for businesses. We are very proud working with a company that genuinely wants to increase the adoption of cryptocurrencies and help many people to pay less fees and have more control over their money. So without further ado, let's enjoy our interview with Maria. Hello everyone and welcome to the show. Today our guest is Maria. Welcome Maria, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you uh, for inviting me to the show. It's an honor to be here. Uh, Thank you so much. And I'm I'm really happy to have you here. So I think I would like to start um, the show with you giving us a simple definition of what is blockchain. I know that people probably heard a definition many, many times, but it's one of those things that the more you hear it, the clearer it becomes. So what is, what is your definition of blockchain? Uh, for me, the blockchain is uh, an alternative uh, set of data that is um, both uh, um, tamper evident, meaning that um, uh, it is evident that cannot be tampered with uh, and, um, and it can be verified by um, a group of people that have decided to participate on the blockchain and um, this uh, um, this alternative set of data uh, is maintained by a group of participants uh, uh, dispensing by what we call a central authority or, or somebody in the middle who actually um, has the responsibility to maintain the data on behalf of everybody. And so that's really what, uh, for me, a blockchain is. Um, so the emphasis is on the fact that uh, the data is authoritative, it can be verified by all participants, and effectively all participants have, um, to some extent, equal power, if you will, or um, they can. Uh, they are absolutely sure that the the data that somehow has been introduced was not later on um, modified. Uh, in a way uh, that they could in, in unilaterally in unilaterally by a subgroup of people in the in the in the in the group of participants that uh, that are part of the, of the blockchain system. So yeah, that's, that's essentially for me what what a blockchain is. 
very interesting no, that's that's really helpful and i think your definition is kind of highlights the fact that um the, the element of trust that is not needed when blockchain is applied um and from many definitions i hear sometimes the trust element is kind of forgotten but i think this highlights how important it is that um you know you don't need to trust anyone who's involved there because that's how how it's built i guess um <clears throat> yeah i mean not only you don't need to trust the idea is that you have each, each person each participant in the blockchain as uh, a sort of equal, nearly equal, well, roughly we can think about as equal amount of control, but also um, uh, you don't need any contractual obligation, legal obligation uh, in maintaining the data in, in the way you want to. So in a sense, the technology supports you in that direction. Um, having said that, the blockchain is not the only way to um to, to to maintain control of your data or to have to be able to verify but it's it's a way in which the technology directly supports uh, that business goal which is very important uh, uh, so there are other other means uh, but but to the blockchain as the particular feature of the blockchain is that the technology is defined or constructed in a such a way that directly supports that particular business goal okay Brilliant. Well, thanks for that. Um, so before we talk about your current involvement in blockchain, it would be great if you could briefly tell our listeners about your background and why you decided to work in blockchain. Uh, yes, I mean, I, I worked in uh, um, computing all my life, I could say. So uh, so for me, so I, I, you know, I was an academic at the Department of Computing in Imperial College for, for a very long time. Uh, and so I did a lot of research on um, security and uh, how to keep system um, doing what it says on the team you know, in working in uh, what, what we call safety and critical systems. So places where if the software goes wrong, could create a genuine um, incident where the safety of people could be put um, at risk. And by that I mean, for example, the nuclear industry or the railway. Um, and so, so I haven't worked um, all, my time, all my life in, um, uh, in computing and having particularly worked uh, in an area uh, which is called um, distributed system and uh, leader election problems, which are, um, which, which effectively underpin uh, the um, technical solution of blockchain. And I have also worked in the cryptography. Um, uh, blockchain seemed very familiar to me and uh, I decided to leave um, my job, a permanent job, to set up my own company. And in the process of working with my company and other startups in the blockchain space, um, I had the great opportunity to, um, to work and become the chief executive officer of Gradbase, which is a company that sets, uh, that inserts academic qualification um, on the Bitcoin blockchain. So... So that's my history. So to summarize it in a few, in one sentence, I would say, um, I come from a computing background and I got very excited about that technology, uh, so much so that I decided to take the future in my own hands and, um, and set up my own company. And, uh, and I haven't looked back um, since I've done that. 
That's wonderful. And you mentioned, Maria, that obviously because of your background, um, quite heavily technical, you mentioned that blockchain was uh, quite familiar to you. So it's not a new technology, right? This is what people keep saying, that blockchain is just, uh, it's an old technology with a new different application that's come in the recent, sort of in the last decade. Yes, I think that that's uh, that's uh, that's very true. I mean, there are some new elements uh, in um, in uh, in particular in the Bitcoin blockchain. Uh, uh, so, so yes, you are absolutely right. So the if we look at the beginning, the Bitcoin blockchain, the new element in there is really the idea of having the proof of work or the consensus algorithm. And I think I believe the reason why it became um, so much um, in, in uh, it became so public and, and sort of people started to talk about was really because um, Bitcoin had an impact in the community and, um, and perhaps topics such as um, cryptography or um, consensus algorithm or uh, the opportunity to have uh, tamper evident or tamper-proof data uh, are, are a little bit less known to the general public. Uh, and those are the key elements of the blockchain. So for people that became a, a, um, something very new. But, um, uh, but yes, I mean, uh, a lot of those elements are already uh, very well known uh, by people who work in computer science. Um, uh, having said that, the fact that um, there are lots of applications also in the enterprise where some aspects of the blockchain are already uh, developed. So you can have a sort of software that you can simply pick up and use it for your uh, direct application. Um, it, it is in itself very advantageous for many businesses. So if you're a small company and all of a sudden you realize you need to have a way of verifying uh, particular data that is really important to you. In the old days, what you had to do, you probably had to call a specialist and pay quite a lot of money to deliver a bespoken system. While um, the development of blockchain technology and a lot of open source software enables people to actually pick up some of the soft, this software, utilize it and make it um, and to be, be utilized without spending too much money. So in other words, what I would say is that the current development of the blockchain has commoditized the opportunity for a lot of people to uh, be able to, to work collaboratively and to be able to um, uh, verify or to insert a authoritative document that can be later ver verified with the certainty that um, if done properly, those documents have not been changed in the past. And that can be very important in compliance sectors or places where really proving that certain things have happened at a certain time specifically. Uh, this is very important, for example, in the court of law, you know, um, that, or if I want to sue, uh, if I have a dispute with my insurance, at what point uh, uh, my insurance started and at what point I had an accident. It could make the difference between being paid a big claim and not being paid a big claim. Um, the question whether I have a certificate for a diamond or for something really valuable. At what point did I really acquire that particular diamond? If I am, uh, if I am subject to a theft, uh, to, to, you know, somebody has robbed me of my diamond and then I need to prove that actually at the time when these things happened, I had that particular diamond. Then you need to, to have a trail of paper and the way to show that I 
actually not only what you are saying is true, but you haven't changed it at the latest stage, stage just, just to support your case. And that's something that people often don't pay a lot of attention. So just to give you an example, I have been going to court, uh, right? Uh, and people often bring, bring emails uh, to show that they had a contract because under the British law, an email can constitute a contract. If, if the judge can see the four elements that form a contract. Now, nobody says, uh, when, when I went to court, and nobody ever says, that you haven't changed the date of this email. Who tells me that this email is still there? And um, nobody really questioned that. We generally take those kind of uh, documents as, um, as, as, as genuine, but actually somebody could have changed some of those documents. Um, somebody could have gone in the computer, changed the date of the email system, and so on and so forth. And those are the kind of things that, if done properly, should not happen in the blockchain. So this is why, in my definition, I talk about the notative um, alternative data as opposed to any data because because it's about really uh, um, your data needs to be really important and needs to somehow constitute a piece of um, uh, alternative history that is important to you right yeah. so that is so interesting and also on that note um, you recently published a book which by the way congratulations on that and Thank you. I believe the book is focusing on something very similar and very important, which is to mystifying blockchain for businesses and business leaders. I'd like to build on that a little bit more and, um, and actually ask you, why did you choose to write the book on that specific topic? Yeah, so the book is called uh, The Executive Guide to Blockchain, and it will be out on uh, March 16. And uh, as you say, um, it is really a book for the mystifying the um uh, the mystifying the blockchain and um the idea there is really to explain uh, how blockchain works to people who don't have uh, necessarily a technical background but they need to understand how this can be used in their uh, business activity uh, the reason for that is because um in my life as a technology i found always uh, very frustrating um uh, that either there is a sort of, um, the, 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 in a company or in, in institutions, there are either people who are on the technical side and people who are on the business side, and very often they have a different language. And, um, and uh, I really wanted to, um, to, to clarify what are the key principles of the blockchain from a business point of view. Because if businesses can speak a little bit more uh, the technical language, um, I think uh, they have a lot to gain. And vice versa, I think we technologies, we need to spend more time in communicating better uh, what, are, what are our solution. Um, in the book, we do talk a lot about um, uh, what is blockchain in a very plain language. There are lots of examples similar to the one that I just gave with the email. Uh, we cover uh, the historical side of blockchain, so how they came about, uh, the history of Bitcoin. We discuss Bitcoin in detail. We discuss what are the cryptocurrencies and how they operate. Uh, we discuss the um, enterprise blockchain, uh, and in particular, very specific use cases around supply chain, trade finance, verification of, uh, for example, certificates, um, uh, and also 
we talk a lot about where blockchain is no useful as well because what I really, um, I think it's very important that we realize what are the advantages, but also where it is not appropriate. It's not a solution for everything. We also cover something that is quite interesting, um, which are smart contracts. There is a lot of hype around smart contracts. And uh, the other thing we cover is um, the current legislation uh, around blockchain. And finally, we discuss the future. What is the future of blockchain? Where, so for example, there is a lot of discussion about will the central bank issue digital currency? Will they have a blockchain behind it? Or what is the role of quantum computing? You know, will that have an impact on some blockchains? Um, and uh, you know, um, and, and how to to look for how to mitigate some of the risks that quantum computing could bring in the next ten to twenty years. So, so it's a quite a broad uh, of um, topics, and they're really, really, really analyzed and discussed from a business point of view. So the idea is that. Um, would you like to know something about a smart contract? Just open the chapter and you can read it. The chapter is self-contained and you can read that particular chapter. And there are a lot of um, visual cues and there are also a lot of uh, small boxes where I discuss specific topics that, you know, you can simply pick up the book, read a couple of pages and be informed about a particular topic. So, so yeah, I hope that people will find it useful. That's really the purpose of the book, to be useful. Of course, and it sounds like it's a really valuable combination of topics. And again, education in that space is so key at the moment. So I'm sure it's going to provide a lot of value. Um, I will add the link to the book in the description of the episode for our listeners to check it out, obviously. And there's also something you mentioned just now that blockchain is not a solution to everything. And I noticed from conversations that I, uh, you know, hear with and I talk to people about it, that um, people become sensitive to the word blockchain in a way that it's been thrown around without solid purpose sometimes or without solid foundation or clarity how it's been applied. And, and it's almost gaining a negative reputation a little bit because of that. And people argue that many projects out there that use blockchain today don't actually need it. So I want to hear your thoughts on that. And is this a real issue? And how do you filter existing projects and how do you actually decide when a project needs a blockchain or not? I think it's a very, very important issue and um, it's, it's very important to use the right tool for the right problem. And, um, and I think you're absolutely right. There are lots of projects that simply use blockchain because it's fashionable as opposed because it's useful and that is damaging the community. Um, uh, so in the book, I offer, there is a chapter dedicated to uh, strategy. How do you build a strategy around blockchain? And there is also a questionnaire that enables you to determine whether you may need the blockchain or not. And essentially, if you like the test to say, do I need a blockchain or not, is um, th there are two things that you can do. The first one is, if you are on your own, so I am a single company, I heard this blockchain, what can I do? So you can do a lot of things such as um, insert on the blockchain certificate that you can prove a later stage that existed at a particular moment in time, okay? And this is what we do at GradBase. We facilitate uh, that for uh, high value certificates, such as, you know, a certificate of, um, 
universities such as Cambridge, Oxford, Imperial, where your certificate has a value in the sense that, you know, people are prepared to forge those things. Uh, and you want to distinguish yourself from a forger so you can show we, we offered the the solution to prove that your certificate existed at a certain time and it is original because it's been inserted directly by um by the authority that issued a certificate that's one way to use the the technology um there are other ways to to do that i want to be very clear but if you have a ready-made solution uh, that that is becomes less expensive for the people who want to do that particular activity so that's that's a way something very important the blockchain has commoditized this kind of uh, feature of being able to insert and verify authoritative documents um, if you are not a single person you have you are working in a group of people and those group of people have um, fundamentally uh, contrasting goals or even conflicting goals and but they need to work together for, for some reason so the typical example is the supply chain whereby people need to pass back and forth documents and it's very easy that when things go well everybody's happy with simple um, documents you know when things go as intended the trouble always comes when something goes wrong and people start to to have to pay money for that then there is a big quarrel and then you start to argue who had what you need to look for documents to prove that you were in a certain position or that uh, you you understood something or something was agreed and also you need to prove that that things was agreed at a certain period in time so I agreed you send me this 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 12 eggs on, 12, on March 10th and I didn't tell you too late uh, because if I had told you at the later stage then my contract would be invalid so again it's really about having to prove that something happened at a certain period of time and and uh, and the point is that each person or each participant in this kind of uh, situation wants to keep wants to make sure that they have a, a copy of the record and everybody can verify that that particular record exists at that moment in time and it's completely transparent to everybody so in this case where you have a group of people working in a conflicting with conflicting goals but they need somehow to uh, to show to share each of them needs to keep control of the data but they need to be able to verify that this data exists at the moment in time the blockchain is really a great tool um, um, again, it's not the only way to do that, but uh, ready-made software solutions have commoditized that and make it this possible um, in a much more cost-effective way. Um, so this is where really the blockchain comes to life and, and offers great opportunities. So um, I think this, this is really, those are really, really unique um, use cases. Um, uh, of course, you know, people use it for all sorts of things. For me, the two element is, is there a group of people who has conflicting goals? Do they need to keep control on the data and be able to verify that the data that they own actually happens at a certain point in time with the certainty that nobody in the group has changed the data to their advantage, right? Yeah. So the blockchain, in a sense, guarantees some fairness in, in working together. And that's really where the advantage comes about.
Absolutely. And Maria, I think it would be very useful um, for our listeners if we summarized some of the popular examples of, um, of blockchain use cases. I think you've mentioned a couple already, like smart contracts or supply chain, because it's come such a long way, just you know, way beyond crypto. So maybe just to, uh, to give a summary of all these different use cases. Yes, I think that so. Um, uh, supply chain is one of them uh, where you can work. So, um, for example, we are now working as a company with um, mm, uh, uh, the artist copyright, the design artist copyright society, to um, help people to uh, manage the um, uh, certificates of arts and facilitate the. Um, transparent selling of arts. So this is another very useful and important use case. Trade finance is really important. Um, verification of certification that you can do it in group or by yourself. Uh, that that is also very important. And certification it could be could mean a lot of things. I mean it can be from um, you know education to certification to other forms of certification. Um, those are for me really the um, uh, the main use cases. Another yeah, common thing I keep hearing um, as a use case is electronic voting system. Um, just because there is apparently so much fraud, um, do you think that is a, a a valuable application of blockchain technology? No, no. I I think that I specifically mentioned this as one of the uh, non application. I think that. Um, there are lots of problems in voting systems uh, uh, in terms of fraud, but um, uh, really um, the important element in, uh, in voting system is um, there are two challenges that the blockchain doesn't solve. The first one is that you need to uniquely associate the voter to the digital identity of the person who votes. Uh, uh, and that's one of the possible, uh, one of the biggest challenges because otherwise you allow more people um, to have multiple identity and to vote more than once. That's the first thing. And the second thing is really about um, using sophisticated cryptographic um, techniques that enable people to maintain uh, full privacy about the vote. And this is because we need um really ideally you should not sell your vote right so you know you, you have to be able to vote and nobody needs to under, to, to have even be able to guess where you have voted unless you want to disclose it personally but um so it should not be possible to sell votes um, on the other hand you need to be able to to prove uh, to the authority that you have voted and you need to be able to to be to be reassured that your vote has not been changed once, once inserted, and to do that, you don't need um, particularly the blockchain, but you need um, a reasonable amount of sophisticated um, uh, cryptographic techniques that have been developed in academia for at least twenty to thirty years. Um, they are pretty challenging to implement, but um, but still possible. The other thing is that I don't think that voting should be recorded or should remain there for a very long time. Um, a blockchain actually is a system where you want to keep the whole history for a very long time because you may need it for, for various reasons or simply because to guarantee the integrity of the data, you cannot delete the previous history. And I think voting doesn't need to do that. Once the voting has finished in an election, 
the vote can simply be thrown away. Uh, the only thing we need to ensure is that the, the voting has happened fairly. So for all these reasons, I don't believe the blockchain is a good use case voting. A very interesting perspective. I would also like to uh, come back to the underlying technology of blockchain. I often hear the argument that blockchain is like the internet. You don't need to understand how it works in order to use it. Um, so considering that you're coming from a very technical background, I would like to hear your, what, your thoughts on that and to what degree you agree or disagree with that statement. Um, you, you <laughs> I, I'm not sure we don't need to understand how the internet works uh, because if you look what's happening with um, Facebook and the challenges with privacy, I think uh, as a user, we need to understand a little bit more how the internet works. Uh, at what level, how much do you need to understand is a different issue. But um, but uh, it's a little bit like, um, you know, we drive a car. We don't need to understand how the model works, but we need to understand that if you drive too fast, uh, you're risking to kill somebody, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so I think with, with the... <laughs> With the internet and our use of of, um, of 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 the application that are out there, we do need to have a little bit of a deeper, deeper understanding what are the implications of our of our use. And I'm uh, really uh, um, I, I always talk a lot about the importance of privacy and maintaining our data. So so I think that as a technical person, I think that. People don't need to understand the coding behind neither blockchain or the internet, but they do need to understand certain principles and they need to understand what is the impact of what is the impact of this technology on themselves and on the rest of the world. Um, and in the case of internet, if we understand that a little bit better, we could manage our data a little bit better and probably um, we could be manipulated a little bit less by the big giant. And in the case of blockchain, if we understand a little bit more the technology, we would be able to use it for uh, in a more appropriate way. And, and in a sense, the book aims exactly at that, uh, to provide uh, a high-level understanding of the principle of blockchain without necessarily using a technical jargon. So your question? Yes, I think it does, absolutely. Um, because this is exactly the same thing that um, I personally experience. You don't always know how much do I need to understand? Do I really need to understand you know, the, the coding and the, the data structures and how things work before you can feel that you can apply blockchain to anything or use it as a product or apply it to a potential business solution? But it, it's good to, to hear that, yes, you need to understand certain principles before you could engage with with that concept at all and perhaps maria we can move on to our kind of final topic and and talk about diversity because at the end of the day that's why we're here um, yes how to bring uh, more diversity into this particular uh, technology blockchain but in general so um for you maria being a woman working in blockchain so how how does it feel Great. <laughs> <laughs> good. It feels good. I, I think that um, there is a genuine problem, certainly in the Western world, about um, uh, the lack of participation of women, in, particularly in computing, uh, more in general in engineering. 
and uh, so so this is this is a fact uh, from which there isn't um, th there are a lot of people who are working towards uh, improving participation of women in technology that includes me you know have worked a lot with the schools and trying to get in more women registering for particularly for computing and but but I guess you know the question is what can we do really to increase the participation of women um, in blockchain and I think that um, it's great, so great to see so many women like yourself, uh, you know, um, doing quite a lot of work in uh, marketing and, and that's, that's in itself is absolutely fantastic. And I know, Laura, you had really um, an incredible journey in um, learning to become a programmer and becoming a product owner. And, you know, I take, I take my hat off you and to all the women who have done that. What I would like really uh, to invite is to, to invite them to consider technology as something really, really fun and really, really interesting and really, really fascinating. And um, in particular, to consider as an opportunity to, to consider the future. The future is technological and whatever you can do in this space will, will help you to improve your uh, job prospect and to, 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 to be... Um, more active in in our society and um and so um so it's i i understand that sometimes we are a little bit uh, worried about you know uh something that feels not very familiar um but i would invite everybody to to really take a little bit of risk and uh, and participate more on um on, on the blockchain and in technology in general, um, to be more proactive. Uh, uh, because I think that fundamentally, when I look at, in my experience, when I look at um, the difference between men and women, it's really that women take a little bit less risks. <laughs> that, true. That's, so that's, true. that's roughly, I mean, it's a little bit of a generalization, but effectively, it is effectively ultimately the heart of the matter. Um, women take less risk, they, 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 for various reasons related to the way in which we are perceived and the way in which we are educated in our society. Um, a lot of subliminal messages we tend to, to be, we need to be more secure and also we need to please, we have this obligation to please people. That's what, what we need to do. And what I would really like to invite women to do to to be part of um this this community or to simply improve their technological skills is um stop pleasing people and take more risks and that does not mean you have to leave your job and start your own company but you could uh, do a lot of uh, things uh, read a little bit more go to meetups group uh, um you know i accept uh, for example mentors uh, it's not sufficient to write to me and say i want to be your mentee uh, so i i'm sorry i mentor people and people can write to me it's not sufficient just to say i want to be your mentee please take me I, typically i require somebody to tell me why do they want to or what they want to be mentor about and and what is they are looking from this relationship? Because, you know, if you don't know what you want, it's very difficult to have a relationship. But there are lots of people like me willing to help and to provide support. And, uh, and so it's, it is really about us uh, look for these opportunities, right? Uh, but you need to, to put a little bit of initiative in that. Uh, and and in, in that process, the process can be frustrating and it takes a little bit of time. But I invite everybody to be persistent, uh, you know, persistence and resiliency is what is really important.
you know success success doesn't arrive immediately so please take a little bit more risk look for people like myself who want to help and um and and do something wild uh you know invest sometimes in technology <laughs> that wow, is my motto is, that is that is brilliant <laughs> and that's really motivational thank you for that. um so maria you mentioned so many great things there but i would also like to hear your thoughts on so what kind of skills um especially maybe thinking about women that they already have that might be directly relevant to blockchain today so for those who are listening and wondering oh my skills are useful or not uh, there are so many skills that can be used um directly on uh, on blockchain so you know if you have good analytical skills and you can solve problems uh, uh that is really 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 important uh, um if you can really uh for example you are able to construct a very clear plan and execute that those are all very transferable skills into technology and also especially in computer science where we need to be able to automatize things so and automatization is really about defining step by step how a problem gets solved um if you enjoy your uh, social media or digital, uh, you know, the internet, uh, um, today there are many ways in which you can learn um, programming languages at, at the front end. And there are, there are lots of really free courses like um, free code boot camps. You know, just look for, for the internet on, you know, free coding courses. And very often you don't need a lot of, um, the, the beauty about that is a lot of those of it can be done in the browser so you know you can do a lot of fun things without having to spend a lot of time on making the set set up the environment and um and you can build a, a small systems so you, you 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 need a little bit of curiosity and a little bit of willingness to um to spend time on that and if you as i said earlier if you have analytical skills and you enjoy sitting down and analyze things that that is courses will come very very free to very very natural to you also in marketing it's, it's it's very important to be able to um to communicate block blockchain and to do uh, a well done and not hyped marketing that, that those are really really important skills communication skills are so important as you said earlier education is very important so if you enjoy um explaining things to people that that's great if you are a trader for example and you love to work in um in trading you know there are a lot of um uh trading going around in around cryptocurrency so if you are somebody working in finance again you have a lot of skills there to be uh, that can be transferred sometimes we think we are stuck in a position or in a job but actually there are so many trans so and, and, and where where the skills are not really directly applicable sometimes with a very minor training you can really make it immediately relevant no that's that i think this is um really really uh, motivational and, and inspiring because um i i even myself uh, very recently i was thinking well unless i have very specific skills that apply to blockchain none of the other things make sense but um it's couldn't be further from the truth. So this is very good to, to hear the, that being reinforced. Um, so Maria, I guess as we're going to be wrapping up, I'd like to ask you a couple of closing questions. So what do you wish you had known when you first started in your career? <laughs> That's a very good question, thank you. Um, what do I wish I'd known? 
um, I wish somebody had told me which greater, which with greater clarity that um, that your confidence matters in 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 the real world, uh, and that you don't need to know everything to take a decision, uh, and that that uh, risks feels uncomfortable, and that and that is important that you take more risks in life. I think if I had known that, I would have been more, um, yeah, I think I, 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 would have, I would have done a few things differently. And the other thing is that, as I said earlier, you don't need to know everything before trying something. And that's something that came to me very late in life, a little bit later in life. The thing I would say, but this is because I'm a technical person, that personal relationship matters uh, a lot so be always very mindful of that uh, in what um, way th this is because I, you know well because you know if you are a technical person like me you always thrive to the best to deliver the best possible project uh, and sometimes you forget that there are other people involved and that does not mean that i've been rude or sometimes i have sort of not been able to understand what where other people were coming from i was very concentrating on delivering the best technical project possible uh, but and while i think the focus needs to remain that so you always need to strive to to, to deliver the best of your ability in, um the project uh, um, understanding where, when there are other people around you, where they are coming from and what are the, their challenges and the smooth the challenging for them uh, makes actually your job much more pleasurable um, as opposed to sort of being very much focused on the technology. But I don't know whether this helps many, many women. Uh, this certainly was, you know, um, sort of me very, very concentrated on um, probably more on the technology than on the, on the personal side. Uh, take more risks. <laughs> Remember, you don't know. I, I mean, I cannot say this enough. You don't need to know everything to take the next step. No, I, this is definitely should be the message from today. You don't need to know everything to take the risk and make a decision. Yes. And also, you know, you can, you can make an assessment of, you know, things that could go wrong, even without knowing everything. And, 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 have the confidence uh, that if something goes wrong, you will sort it out. You know, something goes wrong, you need the confidence in yourself that you need to sort it out. That's really what, what really matters more than anything, because we will never know everything um, and we need to take decision without knowing certain things. But what we need to have is the confidence in ourselves. If something goes wrong because I've taken this decision, I know I will sort it out Absolutely. and I will take responsibility for, for, the, for the decision I'm making. So that's for me really important. Yes, and like you say, I think we need to accept the fact that it, it's not possible to know everything, especially in today's um, you know, way that things are advancing so quickly. It's, it's almost impossible to be on top of um, all of innovation and all the changes that are happening, especially in technology. So the sooner we get comfortable operating with a little bit of uncertainty and lack of, you know, exact knowledge of how things work, the better. Yes. Can I say another thing that I wish somebody had told me at the of beginning? No, it's something I, yes. Um, negotiate your salary. That's the other thing I say to women uh, if they don't want to start. Always negotiate your salary. Don't accept offers. 
the, the research shows that 80% of women accept the offers that are given and actually 80% of men negotiate their salary. So, wow. <laughs> so <laughs> negotiate your salary from the beginning. Get used to talk about money. Okay. That's, That's really, really important because ultimately, you know, um, um, uh, we, we, we tend not, we don't want to talk about money, but the value, the value that our salary assigns a value. If somebody's paid 30% more than you, in the eyes of management, that person is worth 30% more than you. Although you may do much more work, but ultimately your, 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 your salary is of value. So if you're, if you're doing 30% more of the work, get paid for that 30% and make sure you get paid. And, um, and if you really want to do something good for the world, because that's what very often women think about, take the 30% you have a gain with your negotiation and give it to charity, but make sure that's your decision, not somebody else's decision. So that's my advice. Don't be shy in, don't be shy in talking about money and negotiate your salary. That's a great advice. Thank you, Mariana. <laughs> I'm sure, you know, it will empower our listeners, especially the female listeners. Um, so thanks for that. Maria, um, so please tell our audience where people can find you online. Um, yeah, so if you like to find me online, you can uh, send me a message on LinkedIn or uh, my company is uh, sunblocksconsulting.co.uk and you will find me or you can find me at Gradbase, G-R-A-D-S-B-A-S-E. So um, you can find me there. There are my um, email uh, there. Send me an email. And, uh, and as I said, if people would like to be mentored, um, write an email, but especially write a letter about what is it that you would like me to mentor you about or what is it that you would like from that relationship? Because I might not be the right person for you. I mean, so, you know, it's very important that there is a clear understanding from the beginning, um, how, for me especially, to know how I can help you if you want to be helped in any way, shape or form. Laura, can I say something to you, please? Please, yes. <laughs> you have been a fantastic host today. Oh. And <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that. And I, I have truly enjoyed talking to you. And I, I'm, I'm really uh, grateful for the time you have dedicated to me and to have given me the opportunity to send this message around. And, um, you know, it has been a real pleasure uh, meeting you and also to know about your journey no, absolutely. Likewise, thank you so much for your time, Maria. And I'm, I'm hoping that in the next, um, in the future, for our next episodes, you'll join us again talking about something else, and maybe on your next book. All right. Okay. All right. Thank well, you thank so thank much. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye bye now. Thanks so much for joining us today. To find out more information on Maria's projects, please check out the show notes. If you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Women of Blockchain podcast, please be sure to subscribe. And finally, if you have some time and want to share some love, please leave us a review. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you all on the next episode.